attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for Boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. This week's guest on the podcast, Eddie Arvey. Eddie was a camper in 1939 and 1940. Brief career, but a lot of love for camp. And Eddie and I got to sit down and talk about uh, his memories, his memories of camp. And he had come to camp a little bit older, so he is not a not a young man, uh, but he still has very vivid memories of Camp Ojibwe. So it was fun to share that. Before we get to Eddie, a couple of updates. First of all, uh, still having great feedback from OJ90. A lot, of, a lot of camp love was shared in that room that night. And a lot of guys are reaching out, reconnecting with one another, uh, connecting with people that they came to see and didn't run into because it was so packed um so it's awesome to know that that situation is still cooking and the oj90.com website has gone away but all of the media that we have uh from the show uh the pictures from the night the green screen photos of the night all of that you can find over at campojibahistory.org i also don't give it enough love but the History page on Facebook is also a great place to find some stuff. That's where I posted links for the videos that we did for the OJ90, both the main video and the honoree videos, as well as uh, all the pages from the program, the warrior program that we did for that night. You can find all that over there. So make sure you swing by that Facebook page too. Give it a like if you haven't already. All right, enough of that. Here we go. Eddie Arvey on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. It had 12 cabins. Now I understand there's 13. 14, actually. 14. Yeah. And each cabin has their own toilet. Yes. Now we had one central place where <laughs> we went. The first thing in the morning was dipper shower. Mm. And uh, we had all kinds of activities. Ojibwa was known as a camp where athletics were predominant. We had a, a workshop, people work with wood and so on, but it was the athletics that uh, I think most of the people at that time 
remember. Yeah. And uh, I think I was in Kevin's 10 and 11. So you were a little bit older? You weren't the youngest kids in camp. You were and, probably 13 or 14? And uh, and one of the older fellows who was in cabin 12 at that time, you, I'm sure many people have mentioned his name, Mike Nussbaum. Oh, sure, of course. Yes, he's... He's still performing. He is just... Ojibwa had marvelous swimmers. Hmm. And the beginners would begin swimming from the camp piers to the island, or around the island. And uh, at that time, which I don't think happens now. They had very young people go to the camp. Mm. Six, right. seven. There was a Bartlestein family. Sure. Hank and Gordon and Aaron. That was one Bartlestein family. And Mackie and Irving were another brothers. So they were related. And uh, some of those Bartlesteins were at camp when they were six or, or seven years old. Yeah. I would say that the majority of campers were from the north side of Chicago. Hmm. It was before the era of a lot of being out in the suburbs. Mm. And uh, we also had some from the west side, the Austin neighborhood, and uh, very few from the south side. I think, if I remember correctly, that the cost of going to camp for a year then was $250. Wow. And I know it's up in the thousands now. <laughs> it's gone up a little bit, but that was still a pretty good chunk of money for 1939, after the Depression and everything. And we had people like the Bartlesteins and the Kleins, where they had three and four kids going there. And uh, I don't know if the mess hall is the same as where it was. It is. It's been, we did one expansion and moved out. So the wall that's closest to the main campus, I see. we moved it out about 25 feet I see. Um, all the way down. But other than that, it's exactly the same. And then, in back of the mess hall, I think, was where the 
tennis court and basketball court mm. were they used the tennis courts for, for playing basketball too I think and back there was a place where uh, parents could come and stay oh. uh, and uh, so that building huh? where the par- that building where the parents stayed that's now the 14th cabin that's the 14th cabin yeah they changed it over to because you used to um, the oldest cabin when they built the 13th cabin you would stay there two years your 15 year old year and 16 year old year and then when they changed this cabin they made it so you're 15 in cabin 13 and 16 in cabin 14 what about yourself though how did you first come to camp like how did you first hear about camp? I think my father knew Al, mm. and Al persuaded him. And I think that the original arrangement was that I would go for four weeks, and if I liked it, I would stay the next mm. four weeks. So I stayed the, the next four weeks. And uh, it was, you know, every night Al Schwartz would come to each cabin and say, Cabin four, all in. All in now. Good night, boys. Good night, Al. <laughs> and uh, Al Schwartz had a marvelous personality. Mm. He had a very nice wife, Pearl, and I think that his son eventually sold the camp to the present owners. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was at Al Schwartz's funeral. I've I think he was a hundred years old or something. Yeah, he, uh, I've heard the funeral was really something. And, it was amazing. Uh, there were a couple of. They used to have an organization called the Ojibwa Braves. Oh sure, of course. I don't know if that still continues. Absolutely. Were you, you were a part of that? Yeah. And. Uh, the Ojibwa Braves and we used to have a Big Ten week Yes. where the whole camp was divided at that time there were only ten members of the Big Ten <laughs> and the camp was divided into groups and it was it was a lot of a lot of fun yeah well, I'll tell you about that. So nowadays we call it Collegiate Week because over the years they wanted to mix up the schools so they started letting other schools in and so it's not just the Big Ten anymore. But it is by far the biggest sporting event of the year. Except for maybe the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere. And when you were there, it was pretty new. I think 1937 is the very first one. So you were really at the very beginning yeah. of it. Right. And now, when you guys did it, did you also do the thing where you went into the rec hall and you had to sing the songs from the school? Yes. 
And did you have to do uh, like a play kind of a thing? Indiana, my Indiana, <laughs> Indiana, we're all for you. We will fight for the cream and crimson, for the glory of all by you. I you. Yeah. That's fantastic. And uh, there have been various uh, uh, reunions over the years. Sure. I, I don't remember when all of them were, or even if I went to all of them. We had one camper, one camper who really epitomized uh, the camp. He really loved it. He was a good athlete. He was good in drama. His name was Monty Feldman, and you've probably heard of that name. Absolutely, of course. Monty Feldman was... He, his kids went, and he just uh, loved it. Somebody told me that they put up at the camp some designation of his name. Uh, if you remember where the infirmary was, the hospital, yes. down from there toward the lake, there's a big rock right on the water. And I think kids used to go sit on the rock there and look out at the water. It's a really good sitting spot. Well, they put a swinging bench with a cover, like a wood arboretum kind of cover, over it. And now that's called Monty's Place. And uh, Monty's son, Barry, was a longtime camper. And he's actually helping organize the entertainment for the really? reunion. And then his son, Kevin, was one of my campers. <laughs> so, um, obviously, Monty was already gone before I got there. But so I've been able to sort of... Get to know him vicariously. Monty was a very unusual guy. Had a tremendous personality. Was, as you probably heard, developed this group. There was a, a group of three women who used to sing called the Andrews Sisters. Sure. And Monty and a couple of other fellows got together and they would dress as the Andrew sisters and they would have the records playing and they would mimic and go <laughs> through all the gestures. And they did it professionally for a hmm. while. Uh, they did it professionally for a while. We had some terrific swimmers. The head swimmer was a man by the name of Sam Rowe, and next under him was Jack Jacobs. Marvelous, marvelous uh, swimmer. And 16 inch Softball was a very popular sport. Sure. Where was your home when you... Uh, Kentucky. Your home was in Kentucky, mm -hmm. and you went to the university. Yeah. Where in Kentucky? Uh, I was born in Bowling Green in southern Kentucky, and then Lexington is where uh, the school is. But growing up, I had never seen a 16-inch. I'd played 12-inch, of course, 
You did what? I played 12-inch softball, but I'd never heard of a 16-inch softball until I got to camp. It was strictly a Chicago. Absolutely. Strictly a Chicago games. Still is, although it's changed a bit. The way you have to pitch now with like an arc. Mm-hmm. And uh, there you just pitch straight and the umpire could call a fastball if you pitch too fast. Oh, I see. So you, you still had to throw underhanded. You still had to throw But you under. didn't necessarily have to have an arc. You had to have an arc and the pitcher could step from the mound one step each way ah. to sort of mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Now, was softball your favorite sport at camp? Softball was one of our favorite, was one of the favorite sports, yes. That was uh, one of the favorite sports. And uh, here's the Camp Ojibwa, colors red and white. We love her truly. And uh, we had musicals or things that different cabins Mm -hmm. put on or different groups. Did you do the um, inter-cabin sing where you competed against the other cabins? Good evening, folks. Greetings to you. It's the Senior Frolic Show. A new edition, 1940, our edition at the Senior Frolic Show. Here is an invitation to enroll in our little school, into our school, where it's always fun and always April Fool. Jokes, folks, are what we like to play for your, yes, for you, let's say. Your hearty laughter, ha ha ha, and uh, that was one nice one, one year. Now, when you when you did those shows, who sort of organized it? Was there someone like a staff person who kind of? We had a, a gentleman by the name of Richie Berkson, who was the camp director, hmm. and they had some very talented uh, staff members uh, and uh, they uh, they have very talented uh, staff members and uh, some of them we've kept up with uh, and uh, Jimmy Rubens and his brothers went to camp for many years. Sure. And if I'm not mistaken, Jimmy was a good athlete. Very much so, good from athlete. what I hear, yes. And uh, uh, we see him occasionally around town. When he was young, 
he and his two brothers lived in the same apartment complex, and this was an old entire block. And my wife and I and Jimmy's mother and father were good friends, so we did a lot of things, a lot of things together. Sure, yeah. And Jimmy's a really uh, a, a great, great guy. And uh, we had parents, what were they called, Parents Week? Oh, where the parents came, All of the, the one where they all come visit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there was some... Intercamp competition mm. where our teams would play other camp teams. I don't remember those uh, nearly as well. And uh, it was a very happy time yeah. in my life. When you went to camp, how did you how did you get up there? Did you take the train? Train. Mm. Train. I just can't. I can't imagine. I mean, obviously, you can't take a train now. Um, you can't even take a bus. Well, we hire buses now. Is how we do it. Um, my first, a couple of years, I would take the train from New York to Chicago just because I liked it. So I would do that and then end up riding up with somebody the rest of the way. But I just can't imagine loading up a train with. Like you said, six-year-olds. <laughs> Some. It was, it was really something. And uh, we'd go into Eagle River, and we'd have uh, fun in Eagle River, go for ice cream sodas and mm. different uh different things and uh, that basically was the only time we left the left the campgrounds Al hmm. had a real special personality I mean he himself was a big part of the success of the camp. And uh, he was just very friendly and jovial. And as I say, we'll come into each cabin every night. Cabin six, all in, all in Al. Good night, <laughs> boys. Good night, Al. That was... Uh, yeah. Uh, that was something and uh now as a camper did you get to have kind of a personal relationship with al like a one-on-one -on -one at any time or no it was more broad right yeah right i didn't have a personal relationship uh i don't think they have six and seven year olds coming to camp anymore no no nowadays even eight is 
pretty unusual. Mm, there were a number, number of, of camps. Uh, as I said, some we had intercollegiate camp uh, games where we competed with other camps, but uh, it was just very, very special. Yeah. And to think that it's lived on for 90 years is mind-boggling. <laughs> it's mind-boggling. It really is. And, and hopefully, you know, 90 more. Let me ask you this. When you were there, do you remember them printing like a like a newspaper, sort of? Yes. The Medicine Man? Yes. Does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out when they started that. It was there when I started I don't, I don't have any copies from that early, but I'm trying to figure out sort of when that began. It may have been right in the very beginning. Um, was Sid Novak there yet? Yes, Sid Novak. I'm trying to think what his role was. Was he a director, camp director? He, I know he would eventually be the head counselor, but you would have been right at the beginning of Sid, right when he first got there. We had a couple of... Uh, counselors who were special. There was a sunny score uh, who played football for one of Chicago high schools that won the championship. Mm. He was the quarterback. We had Jerry Harris from the same neighborhood big, strong husky guy. I have some pictures. I don't know where they where they are. And when was it? On Saturday where everybody would have to change their sheets and... Oh, sure. Super scrub up and then change the sheets. You had to do it all. I don't know if it was all the same day or not, but... I don't remember. Yeah. Brush your teeth maybe once every week or two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, one thing I always ask everyone. Now, you're a grown-up now. You've, you've got a couple of years under your belt. How do you think that um, those, those years at Camp Ojibwe affected your life? Well, I think that over the years, when I was at camp, there were a lot of campers that I would see throughout the uh, meet them in a restaurant, meet them here, see them. It was always, uh, even though there were only two summers, it introduced me to a whole new set of people who I have encountered over the years and just have expanded my my knowledge of peoples. I lived in a, a neighborhood called Austin and uh, I met fellows from the north side who I'd never known and uh, some from Oak Park and uh, 
it was, uh, it was, you know, the same as going to college. I met a whole new group of people who uh, I see and uh, friendly with some of them and uh, you just keep widening the uh, the expanse of people you know as friends or acquaintances yeah. and so on. It, uh, Because you went went to, to uh, college with it was just uh, in fact I was thinking I'm 91 years old that by my death notice could say Gregory Grammar School. Austin High School, Northwestern University, Camp Ojibwa, and the U.S. Navy hmm. as the places that I yeah. sometimes in the summer when people are wearing t-shirts and so on and I s they have the Ojibwa t-shirt. Mm -hmm. And I'll come up to them and start singing the Ojibwa song. <laughs> it's really wonderful. It's like the biggest fraternity in the world, and yeah. it doesn't matter how old or how young someone is. If you if you know you both went to Camp Ojibwa, you can pick up right there, because everything has stayed so much the same. You know, when we talk about sitting on the bench out in the middle of the out. You know, that's in the middle of the diamonds where mm. they play softball and there's the bench out by the tree. Every kid has sat on that bench. Every kid has had to get on the rec hall stage and sing a song that they were scared to sing. You know, every kid has eaten too many steaks on steak night. <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, it's this amazing shared experience. And it, just for 90 years, they've been able to have these, this shared experience. So, it's really, like you said, it's a really special place. And... I hope this uh, I hope this project helps people know that a little more and not take it for granted. I don't know hmm. if I have anything more to to tell you except that uh, my feelings are warm and uh, I consider it a, a really great experience and I think there are probably a lot of guys who who uh, went on to become noteworthy in whatever they did. Uh, well, Eddie, thank you so much for this. I appreciate you. you taking this time. Okay, that is it. Another one in the books, Eddie Arvey. Like I said, a lot of fun memories, and he goes way, way back. Sorry if you could hear a little bit of his television in the background. Uh, we, we didn't quite get that turned off, so you might have picked up a little bit of a cop show playing in the background, but I think it just gave it character.
If you want to get in touch with the podcast, as always, you know how. Drop me an email, Christopher at CampoJibbleHistory.org, or of course, just swing by the history website. As I mentioned before, all the OJ90 pictures are up there. We're going to have some new video going up soon. And another summer is upon us. And you know, all summer long, we'll be putting stuff up from camp, uh, both on the regular camp page and more history stuff on the history page. And the Facebook, Campbell Jimbo History Project Facebook page. I just told you about it. I don't talk about it enough. Go over there. Give us a like. Get in the loop over there. It is an amazing day here in Highland Park. The sun is out, the sun shining, clouds in the sky, but it's also my last day in Highland Park. The apartment's packed up, the truck's getting loaded. Lucille is full of my camp stuff because tonight, my friends, I'm having a cigar on Catfish Lake.